we have the opportunity to embrace that reality. And then we kind of moved into Acts. And um, I wanted to take us to a place, and Paul did a great job of leading, leading us through worship, just speaking about a reality that all my sin, all my hidden shame... I mean, think about that. Now, I've had seasons in my life where there have, I've like had all, I've lived like two different, as two different people. Um, I've always been in ministry, and I was in youth ministry for a long time. And, and, uh, you know, there was like the public life that everyone saw, but then there was this hidden life, and, uh, and that nobody saw, that nobody knew about, even my wife didn't know about it. And, um, and it's in those places that it's hard to believe that we're pure. You know, it's, it's those areas of our life that no one knows about, the darkest parts of our heart that nobody knows about, that make it difficult to, for us to really believe that our sins have been forgiven. That all of our guilt, all of our hidden shame died with him on the cross, is what we sing. And for a season, it was affecting me to the degree that I was starting to have nightmares, a reoccurring dream that was a nightmare. And in this dream... I would, uh, I, I, what had happened is I had killed someone accidentally. Like me and a group of my friends had accidentally killed someone. We had buried them, and it was being found out or discovered. And the dream was always the same. And it always ended right with me getting ready to go to jail. Like being found out and getting ready to go to jail. And, um, and I, through a number of things that happened, I read a book, and they said one of the consequences of living a double life is that people will start having dreams about being found out about things. And it was a tremendous, it was a, a very convicting time in my life. And, and ever since then, I've had a sensitive spot in my heart um, to the reality that all of us are in a place and potentially at any given time can slip very quickly into a hidden shame or hidden guilt or create closets that nobody knows about. And those closets, I think prevent us from becoming who we are created to be. Those closets, and there's a number of them. You know, for, for guys, it's usually the, the closet usually has something to do with lust. And for women, the closet usually has something to do with identity. And the way they manifest themselves might be, for guys, through pornography or the Internet or prostitution or um, abusing women or whatever. You know, there's a number of ways that, that might manifest in a man's life or just looking at women appropriately, or whatever. There's a million different ways. And for women, that might be uh, manifested in eating disorders, um, really not feeling valued, giving themselves to men or to people in a way because they don't feel like they have value. They need people's affirmation or affection or acceptance, um, et cetera, et cetera. And um, we just see that in our culture. It's mirrored in our culture all over the place. But I think what God wants to do tonight, what I think... What I think he wants to speak into or heal tonight or bring, not heal, healing will come, but I think he wants us to open those doors. He wants us to let him, let us, let him in those closets. And we all have them. Some of them are a little darker than others. But when the door's shut, they're all dark. And when those doors open and the light comes in, they're all revealed and everything's exposed. And until we do that, until we allow God to bring light into those areas of our life, we will continue to function and operate from a place that is broken. And it's not that God can't use us. When I was in that broken place, whenever I had that hidden life, I was involved in a ministry that was very powerfully, I was being very powerfully used this way. But it was just a lie. It was fake in a lot of ways. And I was dying on the inside. 
And so what happens is we start to compensate for that brokenness and trying to do more and live differently and have more quiet times and go to more church and talk churchy language, Christianese and stuff. We go on mission trips. We serve the poor, all the while not allowing God to heal the part of our heart that he most wants, that he died for. And I want to read a a scripture and talk about, uh, and there's two more scriptures I want to read. But, um, but I think that, you know, the other song that we sang tonight that really spoke to me, when we talk about these closets, one of the lies that the enemy tells us is that, you know, there's, if, if people find out about this, you know, they're really not going to care about you. They're not going to love you. You know, they're going to turn their back on you. And you start believing these lies, and it forces you to protect yourself, and you forget the lines like we sing in the song, that my hope is in Christ. That in Christ, all things can happen. There can be all kinds of healing. There can be all kinds of restoration in Christ. And you know when you turn 40, I'm going to turn 40 this year. I could die at night. Just right here. You know, just right here. Because I'm going to be 40 this year. Don't worry, kids. I'm just kidding. That was a joke. My kids are here tonight. Um, But you know, 40, when when you turn 40, one of the things that happens is you start to think like this a little bit. You start to go, man, I'll never get to beep, you know. I'll never, I've come, like one of the, my first realizations was, gosh, I'm going to have to surf pipeline in Hawaii, and I have to surf pipeline in heaven. I think that's just, that's not going to happen on earth, because now if I did it, there's a good chance I would die for real, you know, or like, you know, because I always grew up, I grew up surfing, I always wanted to do that, and that dream, the hope I had of doing that is died, because I, I just believed that I can't do that anymore, you know, or, or that, um, you know, I, I do triathlons, and I see these like, young guys passing me all the time. They're just always passing me, just passing me all the time. And I go, you know, as hard as I train, no matter what I do, I'm just never going to be at the, at the physical prime that I wish I could attain. I'll just never be able to be that person. And we start to lose hope as we get older. But we also, all you young folks out there, all you youngins, you know, the re- a reality is, is that when you have closets like that, one of the consequences of that is that you begin to lose hope. You, you begin, it, it, it creates a hidden life that prevents you from believing or allowing God to heal. And in, in not allowing him to do that, we start to, to not believe that he can. And in not believing that he can heal that part of our life, we stop believing that he can use us to heal other people's life. You know, we wonder why, why are children, why do they get healing more than adults? Because they believe. They don't, they don't struggle with all the baggage and all the sin management that we do and the history and the religion. You tell them that you're a super Jedi in Jesus and they believe, you know, and they just ask and it happens. It just happens. I could tell you tons of stories about my kids because they just believe. But we start doubting whether we're really forgiven, whether we're really loved, whether we really have value, whether we can really be used because of these dark closets in our life. And tonight, God wants to shed light into those closets, I think. I know he does. And we're gonna, that's what we're going to have ministry about tonight. But Hebrews 9, 11 to 14 says this. And this is in the message version. I, I looked at several versions. I just love the end of this one. We always don't use this version, but I like what it says here. This is 9, 11 to 15. But when the Messiah arrived, high priest of the superior things of this new covenant, he bypassed... Wait a second. Shout a God thought.
Okay. He bypassed the old tent and its trappings in this created world and went straight into heaven's tent, the true holy place. And they, and they distinguished between the two tents, one being made by man and one being made by God. That's the distinction. Once and for all, the, whole, the holy tent, uh, the true holy place is once and for all. He also bypassed the sacrifices consisting of goat and calf blood, instead using his own blood as the price to set us free once and for all. If that animal blood and the other rituals of purification were effective in cleaning up certain matters of our religion and behavior, think how much more the blood of Christ cleans up our whole lives inside and out. Through the Spirit, this is the part I really like, through the Spirit, Christ offered himself as an unblemished sacrifice, freeing us from all those dead-end efforts to make ourselves respectable so that we can live, so that we can live all out for God. So that we can live all out for God. Basically what that's saying is that Christ, he just surpassed and superseded everything in history that was before him on how sin was dealt with. And he did it once and for all so that we could become totally free and live in a freedom that we were created for. You know, this week when my wife was gone, a toilet got clogged up. I thought it was a toilet, so I was going to fix it. It was the day she was leaving. I thought, I've got to fix this by the time she gets back. I'm gonna, it's not good. And the last time I called a plumber, it was like 250 bucks or something. I was like, I'm going to fix this bad boy. So I took the toilet off. And I went, and I called my friend who was a plumbing store, and he's like, come and get this acid. You got steel pipes? So I put the acid down there, and it stinked to high heaven. And it's like, Dad, what in the world? Because I had all four of the kids. And they're like, what's that? Up the stairs. I was like, just don't go in there. It's acid. So it, like, bubbled up, and, and it, didn't, it didn't fix anything. He's like, but it's working. So he's like, put half the bottle in there. So I put half the bottle, and more, like, stank and waited, and it's still the clog was there. So I put the rest of the bottle in there. It's just like, I tried everything. Still, he's like, it's still there? He's like, no way. He's like, come by the shop. I've got this big cable for you. So I like go by the shop and I stick this like 50 foot cable, okay? And like I feed it in and it has a drill on the end of it. I'm like, and it's like squirreling down my pipes, like 50 feet down my pipes. What they don't tell you is that it's going, it's going places that no one ever should go, you know? I mean, you think about dirty, nasty places. Your sewage pipes are probably at the top of the list. You know, you can think creatively about what's gone down yours and just know i got four kids and that's been down mine. Plus, it's a 50-year-old house. It's got 50 years of other people's stuff going down those pipes. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's nastiness times 50. Anyway, so what they don't tell you is that when you pull the cord back out and the drill's on, it just slings stuff everywhere. Everywhere. And so I'm just, I'm like, I like pull it out. I'm, I'm like looking around the bathroom. I'm like, it's, it's just, I'm dead. It's contaminated. This bathroom will never be the same. It's never going to be the same. And I got these gloves on. And then I had to snake the sink. I snake the toilet. I got it stuck one time. I was like yanking it like as hard as I could. I couldn't get it out. I mean, I snaked every pipe in the house just trying to get this clog out. And finally... I got, I, I stuck it in like, it was only six feet was the clog. That's where it was. And I just left it on, and I finally cleared it out. But by then, I mean, the, I was in the tub, and just with my sneakers on, and there's just stuff everywhere, everywhere. I mean, and, I, you know, and you kind of look, and you're kind of looking at things you should have covered up. And you're like, ooh, 
I'm going to have to throw that away. I wonder if Laura's going to miss that. You know? And, uh, and so, and so I, I end up, and, and so I'm like, well, I just, I'm going to have to bleach the whole bathroom. I'm just going to have to. So I like, go buy this bottle of bleach. I clean everything to the max. Everything. But I'll tell you this. When I go back in that bathroom to this day, I just don't feel like it's clean. I don't care. I don't. You know, and I had these gloves on, right? And then you start thinking, well, did I touch the sink? Did I, what did I touch with this glove? Because this glove was touching that cable that was in the pipe. And so you start, like, having, like, prophetic recollection of, like, the different things that you touched in the house, maybe, with the glove on. And, and so it, you're, just, you're, like, paranoid for the, rest, um, for the rest of my life. I'm going to be paranoid. Like, when I go in the bathroom, I'm going to, like, stand under the shower and then not touch anything and get it. You know, go outside and dry off. I tell you that story because of this, is that... I've cleaned the bathroom. I've bleached it. I mean, there's nothing left in that bathroom that's dirty. There's nothing. But because of what I remember about how it used to be, it, it, it causes me to still live and walk and act in that bathroom like it's still dirty. And that's exactly, exactly what we do with our sin, is that we remember who we are. We remember our, the things that we do in our dark closet that nobody sees. We remember all the messiness of who we were before Christ. And the enemy just reminds us of it again and again and again. And when we hear verses like this, that Christ offered himself as an unblemished sacrifice, freeing us from all of those things, that we are purified. When we hear that verse, we remember the messiness of our life. And we go, no way. There's no way. That just can't be true. But we've all been bleached by Jesus. And we all have been cleaned by Jesus in a way that is so pure. In a way that we really don't understand. We will not understand on this side of heaven. But in these verses that we've been reading, and we're going to, read, we're going to end with this one. And then, and then we're going to have a little worship and go into ministry. I want us to think this. I want us to realize this. Is that, is that you, are, you are a new creation. The closets need to be dealt with. But freedom is there for the taking. You know, how you respond to the freedom is between you and God. But it doesn't change the reality that the bathroom has been cleaned, that you have been cleansed, that you have been purified, that you have been set free, and that you are a new person. And you no longer have to operate as you used to be. And the way that that transformation takes place I say that like, oh, it's just easy to believe in this. I don't believe this. That's, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the way that it happens is by the Holy Spirit. When you hear stories about people coming up and saying, I used to think this and do this and do this. I mean, Larry's a great testimony, and now I think this and do this and do this. Well, he, that didn't happen overnight. Larry's been coming forward for a year, receiving prayer every chance he gets, allowing the Holy Spirit to work on his heart. And that's what it is. That's why we have prayer ministries, because if we really want the closets to be dealt with. You know, not, what the Bible says is, is that we would not struggle with sin. It's that we wouldn't desire it any longer. And so it's, it's not that God, God doesn't want us to be satisfied with not looking at pornography. God doesn't want us to be satisfied with just not having an eating disorder anymore. He doesn't want us to desire it. He says that it's possible to not desire it anymore. He says it's possible to look at ourselves in a new way. And we, we lower the bar because in our own efforts, we like to be in control. But what God does through the Holy Spirit is gives us a fresh start. He gives us freedom from those things. 
so that we'll never struggle with them again. And so I don't know what your dark closets are. And I don't want to know, honestly, what your dark closets are. We all have them. And some of them might be ones that are even camouflaged that, that we might not think are that dark, like having trust issues with people or having relationships, relational issues with people that have been masked in service and submission and love but actually are issues of dependence and brokenness and need. You see, all of our closets, the enemy is the great deceiver. He wants you to think that you're okay because you've been freed. But if you believe the lie that you're still messy, then you can't be used. You won't ever step into the the power and the authority that's been given to you, that Christ has died to give you. I'm going to read this. This is Titus 2, 11 to 15. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. You see, you were made pure for God, to worship God. And we can't fully worship him when the closet's open, until the closet's open, until we really believe and we're moving to the authority that God's given us. We're settling for less. We're settling for so much less than God has for us. We talk about taking risks. One of the greatest risks that I ever took was opening that closet and telling Laura about some of those things in my life, and telling my supervisor about some of those things in my life, willing to suffer whatever consequence was going to come because of the freedom I, I just had to have from those areas of my life. And, th- and then that's a, risky, that's a risky ask because, again, some of our closets are dark. And we're afraid that when the light comes in, it will affect how God sees us or other people. And that's just not true because we all have them. We all need to be healed. We're all on the same journey. Let's stand. And I'm going to read this Titus message. The band's going to come forward, and we're going to respond in worship. But I'm going to read this Titus message again. And I got it again from the message version. And I've broken it into three parts because I think that it speaks into what God wants to do tonight. Oh, my goodness. This is what Titus 2, 11 to 15 tells us. God's readiness to give and forgive is now public. Salvation's available for everyone. First point, if you're not a believer, if you think that your life is outside of the realm of God's salvation, 
that the blood of Christ is not enough. That's a lie. That you've done something that disqualifies you from following Christ or being a Christian. That's a lie. Regardless of who you are, what you've done, or what you might want to do, the reality is that God is ready to forgive you tonight. He's ready to welcome you in tonight. Salvation for you is available tonight for you. And if, if you would like to receive prayer in that way, you'd like to receive God's forgiveness tonight. You'd like to receive his freedom tonight. We're going to ask you to come forward in prayer. Not right now, but when we have ministry. And just, you need to tell the prayer minister that because that's a little different than we normally pray. The second thing is, in ties that says, we're being shown how to turn our backs on godless, indulgent life and how to take on a God-filled, God-honoring life. This new life is starting right now and is wetting our appetites for the glorious day when our, when our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, appears. The second group I think God wants to deal with are those that have been struggling in, in patterns of sin in their life. And the closets just came, seem to keep getting bigger and bigger. And the reality is, is, that, is that hopefully tonight you know that God wants to shine light in there. He wants, to, he wants to expose the enemy and the lies and bring you hope, bring you out of that. And get rid of that once and for all. And the starting point for that is right now. There's no reason why leave with that closet still locked and shut. Why leave tonight? With that not having been dealt with, tonight God offers you a fresh start. The third thing is this. He says this. He offered himself as a sacrifice to free us from the dark, rebellious life and to the good and pure life, making us a people he can be proud of and energetic and goodness. And then he says, tell them this. Build up their courage and discipline them if they get out of line. You're in charge. This is to you. I'm not, it's not me. It's not God to me talking to discipline you. This is him talking to you. Built, you need to go build up their courage. You need to be in charge. You've been given authority to lead. And the last thing he says is don't let anyone put you down. The last group of people I think God wants, to, wants us to minister to tonight are people who feel like they've been put down. They've been put down, they've been put down, and they've been put down. They don't feel like they have value or anything to, just, to say. And I think that there are even people to the degree that they, that they just want to quit living. They just want to quit living. They've been hurt so bad or they feel so hopeless that they're, that they're at the end of their rope and that they would rather die. And they've even thought about it. I think God wants to heal you tonight. And I would encourage you to not leave tonight without receiving life that comes from the Father. As we worship during this time, I'll just invite us all to ask the Father, what is it you want to expose, to heal, to bring out tonight? Don't leave without receiving prayer if you can. And then I'm gonna, we're going to have ministry in just a minute. I'll close us.